All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today we're reviewing the all 22 from the Falcons 40 point loss to the Dallas Cowboys in week 10, really digging deep into that topic of are the Falcons struggles related to talent or are they related to coaching? Get into that on today's Locked on Falcons. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com. RIP still going strong on Twitter, at FalcFans. And, of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we want to thank you for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. And, of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple Odyssey, Google and Spotify, as well as now available on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Falcons YouTube channel. Make sure you give us a like. Make sure you leave a comment, all that jazz and more. So today's episode of this world-renowned podcast is going to be the usual episode that we have on Wednesday, which is an all-22 review. Normally, we also add a Q&A, but I got some things that I got to get off my chest on today's episode. We're going to be talking quite a bit about some of the struggles that the Falcons featured in this Dallas Cowboys game, focusing primarily on that debate on whether or not the Falcons' issues on Sunday and issues throughout the season are related to talent or are they related to coaching or are they related to execution, all these various things. We will get into that. And the reason why we're going to get into it on today's episode is because I noticed quite a bit Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening after this Cowboys loss that a lot of people were focusing on how much talent the Falcons lack. And certainly the Falcons do lack talent. I've said many times on this podcast over the last several weeks and months that they have needs at every position with the exception of basically kicker and punter. They can definitely upgrade a variety of positions. But I want to make it clear, don't get it twisted, ladies and gentlemen. Don't just basically blame all the Falcons' problems on talent or lacking talent because that's just essentially a lazy excuse or a scapegoat for the Falcons' problems. Now, if you want to sit here and say that the Falcons' talent disparity was front and center on the defensive side of the ball in this Cowboys game, absolutely, I 100% agree with you there. You know, we knew going into this game, we talked about this on Thursday's episode, that it was going to be hard pressed for this Falcons defense to be able to keep pace with CeeDee Lamb in the slot. The Falcons just simply do not have a slot corner capable of covering CeeDee Lamb with outside corners like Fabian Moreau and AJ Terrell stuck on the outside going up against guys like Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. They needed him there. And so anytime the Falcons face a team like the Cowboys, like the Bucks, later this season, like the Bills, any team that has three good wide receivers, it's going to create major problems for this defense because, frankly, the Falcons only have two good corners at this point in time. And I know that's a debatable point because a lot of people don't think Fabian Moreau is particularly good. I think he's a capable NFL starter caliber player, uh, particularly when you look at some of the outside corners that the Falcons have had the last couple of years, with the exception of basically the eight games of Darquez Denard that they had last year. But Kendall Sheffield and Isaiah Oliver were much, much worse as outside corners uh, these last couple of years than what Fabian Moreau has put on film this upcoming season. So we knew going into this game that the only chance that the Falcons defense was going to slow down this Cowboys offense was not going to be because our guys on the back end could cover their receivers. We needed to win up front. 
We needed our edge rushers to get pressure on the quarterback. And we hoped that with Dante Fowler coming back, going up against a backup left tackle against Terrence Steele, that that would be the case. It was not the case. We can certainly make the case again that talent is an issue up front in terms of that edge rusher group. Dante Fowler was a no-show. Adi Ogundeji was a no-show. James Falters did a little bit more than those two guys, but still was not an impact player in this game. And Grady Jarrett, despite all the things that Grady Jarrett has done for this team, can't single-handedly carry this pass rush in terms of the interior rush. And when you have a top-five quarterback like Dak Prescott and you cannot affect him, whether we're talking about Dak Prescott, whether we're talking about Tom Brady, Josh Allen later this season, if you can't affect him with the problems that the Falcons have on the back end, the lack of talent there, they're going to pick this defense apart. And Dallas did exactly that. So we knew that Dallas, the high probability was that unless the Falcons can magically snap their fingers and make Avery Williams good, make Ade Ogundeji good, make James Vodders good and make Dante Fowler be the player that he was when Aaron Donald was out there rushing for him uh, or out there helping him rush in 2019, you know, the Falcons' only chance of really stopping this Cowboys offense was no chance. So the only chance that the Falcons had to win this game was that the offense could keep pace with this Cowboys offense. And we needed to see this team put points on the board. And hopefully, as our good friend Mike Rothstein of ESPN has noted several times, that if this team is in an opportunity in a, late in the fourth quarter in a one-score game, they have a chance to win it. All four of their wins this year have come in those instances. And that gave the Falcons the best chance. So we knew we had to put up points in order for this team to win this game. Did the Falcons do that? No, they only scored three points. And so that's why I have a lot more criticism of the Falcons offense moving forward because any chance this team had to win, they needed to score more than three points. They didn't score more than three points. I got a lot of problems with the offense. So the issue on the offense is not talent related. We can say that's the case on the defense, but not on offense. The issue on offense on Sunday was coaching and execution related, mostly execution related, but I got some nitpicks for the coaching staff, right? Now you sit here and say, Aaron, how can you say it's not talent related? Look at the Falcons wide receivers. You've been number one in terms of talking about this team needing to add more playmakers like a Marvin Hall at the wide receiver position for two months. You're absolutely right. Yes, the wide receiver position is a problem. Without Julio Jones, without Calvin Ridley, this wide receiver core is not particularly good. But the Falcons are not unique in that position. The Saints have problems at wide receiver. The Raiders have problems at wide receiver. The Eagles last year had problems at wide receiver, which is why they drafted Devontae Smith in the first round. Teams make adjustments, right? If you don't have the capable players at the wide receiver position, then you know what you do. You know what those teams did? They run their offense through their running backs and tight ends. But we'll circle back to that issue later in the episode. Let's talk about the coaching, right? Now, I'm not necessarily a big fan of nitpicking play calls. You know, when you have a football game that features 60 plus plays and you're going to sit there and say like three of them or four of them were bad. You know, you're still talking about 90, over 90% of the play calls were generally good, were did did what they were supposed to do and sitting here saying, oh, this guy's a bad play caller because over 90% of the time he did his job to me feels like a stretch. So that's why when I generally criticize offensive coordinators for their play calling, it is much more on a conceptual basis than nitpicking individual plays because the concepts affect all plays rather than just one or two plays here or there. But 
today I'm going to nitpick some individual play calls as part of the larger point I want to talk about with the coaching versus talent versus execution issues. And the first one comes on that fourth down call, that controversial fourth down call that we spent Monday's rapid reaction episode talking about. Was it a good decision to go for it on fourth and seven versus uh, trying to go for seven points versus taking the three points at the field goal that early in the first quarter, all these various things. It's a debatable topic. I'm not, as I said, I was not necessarily a fan of going for it on that fourth down call, but I'm not going to sit here and die on a hill and say it was a terrible decision to go for it. But if you are going to go for it, like the Falcons chose to do, you got to come up with a better play call than what Arthur Smith did in that situation. Essentially the Falcons ran the most vanilla play possible they ran three vertical routes with Tajay Sharp on the outside, Russell Gage in the slot, and Kyle Pitts lined up on the other opposite side. And they ran vertical routes, and basically it was run down the field and get open. And that is not a play that you want to call in a fourth and seven critical situation. That is exactly what we complained about for two years that Dirk Cutter did consistently, particularly in the red zone, which was one of the leading causes of why this team did not convert in the red zone effectively the last two years is because Dirk Cutter would love his four verticals right in the red zone. Third and third and seven, he's calling four verticals, run down the field, somebody get open. And that is not how you operate a modern NFL offense in today's NFL. And at least in Dirk Cutter's case, he had the excuse because he had Julio Jones. He had Calvin Ridley. So at least theoretically, you can sit there and say it's a lot more forgivable to run the somebody get open when you have that level of caliber wide receiver when Dirk Cutter was doing it. When you have Arthur Smith and we know that the Falcons wide receiver core is a problem running that type of play call is bad news, right? That is what I mean when I talk about poor coaching. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that that one individual play call cost the Falcons the game or anything that it was one of 53 plays in this game. The Falcons had 52 other opportunities to play better, execute their offense, do all the various things. And for the most part, I do think Arthur Smith did a decent job to decent to good job calling plays on those other 52 plays in general. Again, Probably over 90% of the time he did fine, but there's certainly a number of nitpicks that I can have. But the reason why the Falcons didn't convert that fourth down wasn't because they don't have the talent. It was because they had a bad play call. Now, the rest of the Falcons issues on offense were not because they lacked talent. They simply didn't execute on subsequent drives. Arthur Smith called up good plays on third downs. The Falcons had opportunities where they could have moved the chains and they wound up having what five, three and outs with the starting offense over the first three quarters of this game. And it was poor blocking missed blocks up front, drop passes, you know, on the next drive after that fourth down uh, failed attempt Cordero Patterson on a sprint out was wide open. Like on a third and five, he dropped the ball. We saw Mike Davis drop an open ball on a slant pass that would have converted later in the game. So there were lacks of execution. Matt Ryan missed a couple of throws, had a, a bad interception in the second half as well. Right. So there were lack of execution, but it wasn't simply, oh, these guys dropped passes because they lack talent. Mike Davis caught 60 passes last year. It's not because he doesn't have the hands to catch a football. We know Cordero Patterson can catch a football. So it was simply guys not executing. Right. And so, you know, we, there was another third down where Jalen Mayfield gave up a sack. And it's not because Jalen Mayfield lacks talent that he gave up the sack. And I know you're sitting there saying, Aaron, you of all people say that Jalen Mayfield is the worst human being to ever walk the face of the earth. My criticisms of Jalen Mayfield is not because he's an untalented hack, in my opinion. My criticisms of Jalen Mayfield is that he's talented, but raw, 
five years from now, Jalen Mayfield may be a very good guard in this league. But until three to five years from now, he's going to be very raw. And for a team that needs an immediate plug-and-play quality polished starter to make this offense work, I question the decision to take a raw developmental player like Jalen Mayfield in the third round. That's my beef with the Jalen Mayfield pick. Not is because he's untalented and he can't block and he can't play at this NFL level. That is the issue that I had with the Jalen Mayfield selection. That to me is not a talent issue. Now we're talking about the lack of execution that this Falcons had. The first interception that Matt Ryan threw in this game was a lack of execution. Alameda Zacchaeus did not make a good play on the ball on a contested throw. It was tipped to the defender interception. Matt Ryan's second interception, that was on him. That was poor execution on the part of the quarterback. And I want to get further in to that particular play as it illustrates and reiterates a point I've made before about this team's ability to build up an offense and a defense in the future, given if they can maximize Matt Ryan's remaining time here and why this play is basically a microcosm of why this team seemingly lacks the talent on defense. So we'll get into that as we continue today's episode. But before we get there, guys, I know sometimes you're stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic. Today, you're probably stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic if you're an Atlanta native stuck on I-85, burning through a ton of gas, sitting here going, what, what is Aaron talking about on this podcast? But guys, you know, I can't necessarily tell you that what I'm talking about is going to save you money in the future, but get upside a new app, a new free app can help you save money on gas. Every time you go to the pump, because with get upside, you get 25 cents back per gallon. Every time you fill up over time, that kind of savings can really start to add up with some people making two to $300 a month in cash back with get upside. And when you use the free get upside app and use the promo code touchdown. You get a bonus 25 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. Don't pay, don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Download the free get upside app and use the promo code touchdown. When you sign up, that's get upside available on the app store or on Google play right now. Use that promo code touchdown to start saving every time you fill up. So as we continue today's episode, I, I want to make this point clear because, um, you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about these things and I know there's a tendency, you know, it's hard to really get into nuance, even though, you know, I have 30 minutes to do so, although I'm probably going to take a little bit longer than 30 minutes today. You know, I want to make this clear. I'm going to be talking about a couple of plays. I'm not going to sit here and say that these two plays define everything about the team or Matt Ryan or anything like that. But I think these two plays do perfectly summarize some of the points I've made previously on the podcast, particularly at the end of Monday's Rapid Reaction podcast, talking about this team's struggles, ongoing struggles to try to find a balance in terms of building up their offense versus building up their defense. And let's talk about the third and seven play before this fourth and seven play that we previously discussed. On that play, the Falcons ran a three by one set with three wide receivers bunched on the left side and one wide receiver singled up on the right side. That was Kyle Pitts. And on that bunch side, Russell Gage, the receiver that is incapable of getting open, according to a lot of folks, is untalented, got open on that play and probably could have converted if Matt Ryan had seen him. But Matt Ryan came out of the huddle seeing, hey, I got Kyle Pitts singled up on this play. He's going up. He's my number one wide receiver going up against the Cowboys number three cornerback and Jordan Lewis. I'm going to him. 
And I don't have a problem with Matt Ryan making that decision. Generally speaking, I think Matt Ryan deserves the benefit of the doubt on like 95 out of 100 decisions that he makes. There's probably like 5% of the time, you know, you can question his decision making there. But this is not one instance where I would question the decision. I'm just pointing out that Russell Gage did get open on that particular play. Matt Ryan just decided not to throw to him. And so Matt Ryan's expecting his number one guy to beat their number three guy and separate on an out pattern. Kyle Pitts did not separate on the out pattern and Jordan Lewis broke up that pass. So that to me is an execution issue, right? We know Kyle Pitts is the talent to beat a number three corner. He just didn't. That's an execution issue. Let's move on to Matt Ryan's second interception. And this was a play where there was legit pressure in his face. Again, an execution issue on the part of the offensive line, looking at you, Kayla McGarry. And that explains why Matt Ryan was off target, throwing high and behind Kyle Pitts on a crossing route over the middle on this particular play. But you're going to have pressure in your face and you're going to have to make throws. Dak Prescott made a heck of a throw on one of his touchdown passes uh, with pressure in his face. Uh, I think it was the second CD lamb touchdown uh, that he made where he just laid it up with pressure in his face and made the throw, right? you got to do that if you're going to be a high-level NFL quarterback. And again, I'm not trying to sit here and say Matt Ryan's not a high-level NFL quarterback, but this is part of the job. You get pressure in your face, you got to make throws. So on this particular play, you know who was also open? Kyle Pitts was open on that play. So Matt Ryan didn't make a poor decision throwing the ball to Kyle Pitts, but Tajay Sharp, the other untalented Falcons wide receiver, was wide open on that play on the wheel route. And basically, if Matt Ryan had seen him and thrown it up to him and Tajay Sharp had made the deep safety miss, he would have walked in for probably like a 60-yard touchdown on that play, right? But Matt Ryan doesn't see him because he sees Kyle Pitts. And he says, I got my guy. He's my number one guy. He's wide open. But Matt Ryan misses the throw. Lack of execution, right? So again, not blaming Matt Ryan for this play. You just got to execute better. But this, to me, illustrates the point I was making earlier this week on the podcast where we talk about Matt Ryan, you know, I called Matt Ryan a game manager, which is a pejorative term, but this to me is a microcosm of the issue that we have seen throughout Matt Ryan's career and why I think it's important for this team to surround Matt Ryan with premium talent. Because we know, historically speaking, whether it was Roddy White at the beginning of his career and Julio Jones for basically the last decade, that if you just give Matt Ryan one weapon to throw to, he is going to lock onto that guy. And we have seen in past years, particularly over the last six seasons, when Matt Ryan has played in relatively new systems with new play callers and been a little bit uncomfortable, right? He has a tendency to lock even more on that number one guy. That was especially problematic in 2015 when he was learning a brand new offense, uncomfortable in the Kyle Shanahan system. And he was basically, I'm throwing the ball to Julio Jones, double, triple covered, doesn't matter. Not even looking at Roddy White at all that season. I'm going all in on Julio Jones because he's the one guy. I don't understand what this play call is asking me to do. I don't understand my reads on this play. I'm going to the one guy that I know is going to get open. And we have seen in the first years under Steve Sarkeesian. We've seen it in the first years under Dirk Cutter. And now we saw it in this game with Kyle Pitts. And again, I don't want to make this out to be like, this is a big, big problem, right? For the most part, the last month of the season, this hasn't been a major issue for the Falcons. But in this particular game, it was an issue where Matt Ryan came out of the huddle. I'm throwing it to Kyle Pitts. And in these instances, the first one, that third and seven, the Falcons didn't execute. In this instance, it led to an interception. And the point of me saying all this is because this means that the Falcons can't just basically have an offense where it's just Julio Jones or it's just Kyle Pitts. And they can just make do with whatever elsewhere, right? Because if they do that, Matt Ryan's going to get locked in on one guy. The Falcons have to add secondary weapons 
Otherwise, it becomes too easy for defenses to defend the team. They're like, oh, he's just going to throw it to the one guy. We can just bracket that guy and make somebody else beat us. And they don't have the talent level elsewhere to beat him. That's why when the Falcons have been successful over the years, whether it was Roddy White or Julio Jones and in the future with Kyle Pitts, they've had to add more talent to the roster. So yeah, it is a somewhat of a talent issue there, but you know, whether it was Tony Gonzalez being that secondary weapon, Michael Turner, Muhammad Sanu, Taylor Gabriel, Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper, all these various things, you got to add secondary weapons to the Falcons roster in order to maximize Matt Ryan and this offense or else the offense is going to suffer. And the point of me saying all this is this is why this is a contributing factor to why the Falcons over the years have not had great defenses because they're investing all these resources. And I've seen Falcon fans for years and years and years, and you're not wrong in this, complaining about we keep spending all this money, we keep using all these draft picks on offensive players. When are we going to finally do it for the defense? When are we going to finally go out there and get defensive players, right? And you can sit here and say, let me make it clear, right? That secondary weapon that the Falcons need in addition to Kyle Pitts should be Calvin Ridley. But obviously, for reasons, Calvin Ridley is not there out there on the field. And the Falcons offense is suffering. But the point is, right, you guys sat here and said, oh, Thomas Dimitrov is a bad general manager. Dan Quinn is a bad head coach because they keep neglecting the defense. Yet, the reason why they keep neglecting the defense is this very fact, because they understand certainly better than a lot of fans do, that you can't just simply put one guy out there for Matt Ryan. They understand better. They're watching Matt Ryan just as much as we are, right? And they probably know a little bit more than we do. And they know that you can't just basically give Matt Ryan one weapon and think it's going to work. And so every resource, every free agent dollar that they spend on offense is a free agent dollar they can't spend on defense. Every premium draft pick that they invest on offense is a premium draft pick they can't vest on defense. And again, Falcon fans, many of you know this better than anybody because you've been complaining about this for years and years. Now, before you get mad at me, I know some people are going to hear this and say, Aaron's saying that the reason why the Falcons have a bad defense is because of Matt Ryan and they're spending too much to prop up Matt Ryan. That's not what I'm saying, guys. The issue is the reason why the Falcons have a bad defense is because going back to what Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn weren't doing is that they have to do a better job picking the players. And then when they pick the players, they got to do a better job developing the players. That's why the Falcons don't have a good defense, that the investments that they were making on the defensive side of ball were not paying off. That's not on Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has nothing to do with that. That is purely on the general manager. That's purely on the head coach. But this is why the Falcons can't really afford whether we're talking about Thomas Dimitrov or now with Terry Fontenot to go all in on the defense like I think a lot of fans want them to, right? These decision makers aren't idiots, guys. They understand how to build around this potential future Hall of Fame quarterback a lot more than you guys realize. And they understand that you just can't put a bunch of Jags, and Jags means just another guy, around Matt Ryan. And we're seeing that play out this season. Right? That's why you guys are so focused on the lack of talent. That's why you're so focused on we need to get better running backs. We need to get better wide receivers. We need to get a better offensive line. We need to get a better tight end. It's the same issue. Right. And that's what I'm talking about on that Monday episode where I was talking about this team's ability to balance things out. Right. Terry Fontenot are going to be dealing with the exact same problem that ter- that Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn were dealing with. How do you balance that? How much do you invest in the offense? How much do you invest in defense? Because you got to invest in both. Right. You can't just neglect one and think, oh, we'll go all in on one side of the ball and it'll work or whatever the case may be. You got to do both. And you're having struggle with that balance because. Again, not blaming this on Matt Ryan, but you have a big quarterback contract, so that means you have less money to spend. 
And so that means every dollar that you spend in free agency is going to count a little bit more because you're shopping on a budget, right? And so you can't afford the miss. And so you have to hit and the Falcons weren't hitting under Thomas Dimitrov, particularly in free agency, right? 2019 offseason tells you that, right? And then your draft picks, you got to hit on those draft picks because you're not going to have the free agent dollars that if you whiff on that, oh, we can just go out and sign somebody, right? The Falcons thought they could do that. Oh, we whiffed on Vic Beasley. We whiffed on Tack McKinley. Oh, we didn't go out there and sign Dante Fowler. Well, no, you don't have the cap space. You don't have the flexibility to do that. So, right. My point is, it's not just one thing. It's not just a talent issue. It's not just a defense issue. It's not a wide receiver issue. It's not a play caller issue. It's not an offensive line issue. It's, a, it's not a running game issue. It's all of the above. But here's the central problem. Right? When we're talking about the balancing the investments of offense versus defense, finding that balance is hard, right? The Falcons have a lot of money and resources spent on the offensive side of the ball, and they've done so for the last 14 years, and that's less resources that have been spent on the defense. So they've had a bunch of defensive coaches with the strategy. If you're going to sit here and say there's a rhyme or reason to what the Falcons have done, we got a defensive coach, we got Mike Smith, we got Dan Quinn. They are defensive-minded coaches. They could do more with less. They can coach up this defense and coach up the things that we aren't investing in on the defensive side of the ball. Now we know that they weren't capable of doing that on a consistent basis. So we sit here and say, Hey, you know, it's a lack of talent. It's a lack of talent. We need more talent on that defensive side of the ball. And I will sit here and say, you're absolutely right. As I said earlier, you're absolutely right. The Falcons need to infuse their defense with more talent, right? That's going to help address. We'll see if it solves it. Cause again, it's going to boil down to, do you pick the right players? Do you develop those players? But we'll see if that helps resolve some of these issues on the defensive side of the ball. So now you have an offensive minded coach, right? You have Arthur Smith in your offensive minded coach and you say, okay, well now we have an offensive minded coach. We can invest more resources in the defense and Arthur Smith can pick up the slack on offense. He can do more with less on the offensive side of the ball. And the core of my beef is that Arthur Smith is not really doing that right now, right? And that's not a talent issue. That is, again, the same issue that we had with Mike Smith and Dan Quinn, a coaching and development issue, and how the Falcons use Hayden Hurst, or really not use Hayden Hurst, to me perfectly summarizes this problem, and we'll get into that as we continue today's rant episode of Locked on Falcons. But before we get there, guys, I want to let you know that the best tasting flavor of the best tasting protein bar on the market is back coconut brownie is back the winner of the built bar March madness best flavor tournament. I'm a big fan of coconut, but I know not everybody is, but I do know of some locked on hosts in the group chat that said they were nearly converted after not being big fans of coconut based off of the coconut brownie chunk flavor. And if you love chocolate and coconut, I guarantee you'll love coconut brownie chunks. So go check it out. Even if you don't love coconut and chocolate, there's a decent chance you might get converted. So even if coconut is not your bag, you still got great flavors at built.com like blueberry muffin, paranormal pumpkin, peanut butter brownie, salt and caramel, raspberry, double chocolate, and many, many more. Built bars are great because they taste just like a candy bar, but you get none of the guilt because they're healthy too. They're low in sugar and low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber. Head over to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Now, I also want to tell you about Bet Online, the number one spot to get in on this Falcons Patriots Thursday night action. Head over to the website at betonline.ag and sign up and use the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. That means if you deposit 500 bucks, you get $250 in free money to play with. 
Thursday night, the Patriots are favored by seven and a half points against the Falcons. Will the Falcons cover? You guys know I have no idea, but you know, you could check out some prop bets and I can give you a little bit of a recommendation there. I saw that the odds are a little bit better that the first score of this game will be a Falcons field goal rather than a Falcons touchdown. And we got to remember the Falcons have yet to open a, a, a game with a touchdown this season. So that seems like a decent bet if you're going to go in the direction of props, but whether you go in that direction or another direction, we know that better line is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, whether it's football, boxing, basketball, all the way to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available at bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So guys, as we continue today's and wrap up today's Lockdown Falcons, I know I'm going to get a lot of pushback. I know a lot of people are going to be like, hey, Aaron, you got to be more patient. It's not about me being impatient, guys, with Arthur Smith. It's about understanding that this is going to take some time. I get that, guys. It's not a lack of patience. I know that's what people said in week three when I was complaining about this. this we're going to say now. Already in the comments, I'm sure. Already sending those angry emails. Got to be patient, Aaron. Not fair. I get that, guys. I understand what Arthur Smith is trying to do. He's a chef opening up a restaurant and rather than putting together this massive cheesecake factory level menu with 43 pages and 658 items, he's like, we're going to have basics. We're going to do the basics. It's going to be a little vanilla, going to be a little basic, but we got to learn the fundamentals. We got two appetizers, two entrees and a dessert. We're going to have five items on our menu. And we're going to cook these things until we master these things and then we'll expand the menu. And that's what the Falcons are doing. Right. This is this year. Year one is their five item menu. And maybe in year two and year three, they can start expanding the menu. I get that, guys. I'm not sitting here saying, how dare they not put together this cheesecake factory level menu already out the gates? I understand the patience. But as we build towards that, as we sit here and say, we got to get more talent in the building. And I I don't we got to upgrade positions. No doubt about it. This team has to get more talented players in this building, but don't get it twisted. Ladies and gentlemen, don't sit here and convince yourself that, Hey, Arthur Smith is all these things are going to come together. Once we get more talent in here, once we get better ingredients for this restaurant, all of our food will start tasting good. The cook's got to cook because when you look at this talent level, you got to get more out of the talent that you have. We're not going to be able to solve the talent problem until March and April. What do we do in November and December and January? You got to tell me before I start giving you first and second round picks, to play with that you can get more out of the talent that we currently have because we sat here with Dan Quinn and gave him first round picks, gave him second round picks, gave him third round picks on defense. And he didn't get the most out of that. It wasn't a talent issue that the Falcons had under Dan Quinn with the defense. It's coaching, right? As you guys are quick to point out. And to me, I'm looking at the offense. And I'm sitting here saying, Hey man, look at Hayden Hurst. You guys killed dirt cutter for how he used Hayden Hurst last year. What do you think about Arthur Smith? I'll give you an example. Look at Sunday. Hayden Hurst ran seven routes, guys. Talking about, hey, if you have bad wide receivers, you have untalented wide receivers, I agree with you. Falcons need more talent level at the wide receivers. And why I've been talking about John and Brown and Marvin Hall for two months. But if you don't have the talent at wide receiver, then run your offense to the running back and tight end position. So what do the Falcons do? They don't run their offense to the tight end position. They have Hayden Hurst. He's a waste. He's being wasted. He ran seven routes, guys. Why? Because Lee Smith was out for the game. And Arthur Smith went to Hayden Hurst and said, You're going to block today. You're going to be Lee Smith, even though the reason why you acquired Lee Smith is because you didn't trust Hayden Hurst as a blocker. The reason why he got traded from Baltimore, because he couldn't block. You're putting the player, asking him to do the thing that he's least good at every single time he steps on the field. This is, to me, what we're talking about when you're not maximizing the talent that you have. 
Hayden Hurst was a productive tight end for the Falcons last year at the end of last season. Had three touchdowns in the last three games, catching four or five passes a game. Doesn't get a target, and you're sitting there saying, oh, because he's not good enough. No, it's because he's being miscast in this offense. You probably say, okay, okay, Aaron. Tight end, okay, I get that. I get that. Okay, you you got a point there. Arthur Smith's got to do a better job with tight end. But the running backs are trash, are they? Go look at what Wayne Gallman and Mike Davis did behind bad offensive lines in New York and Carolina last year. Don't give me that excuse that, oh, these guys can't play in the NFL. They can't produce in the NFL. But obviously, they're not producing. And you say, okay, well, the Falcons offensive line is not very good. I agree with you. The Falcons offensive line is not performing well. It's not because they lack talent. It's because they're not executing. Some of it is, though, they need to probably do make a better adjustment coaching to run the ball more effectively. Not going to sit here and say it's going to magically make this into a good running game, but at least it's not going to be terrible, right? Right. You look at, they can't run left. Jake Matthews, as good as he's been pass protecting as a left tackle, been the opposite as a run blocker this year. Been terrible. I'm going to lie to you. Jalen Mayfield, you know, we, we've talked about his myriad issues and him being a questionable scheme fit and all that various thing. And I know PFF gave him an elite run blocking grade on Sunday against the Cowboys. And I watched the film and I'm like, I have no idea how he got that high grade. He had some good run blocks in garbage time in, in the fourth quarter, but I have no idea how the, how they graded him as highly as they did. And Matt Hennessy, eighth highest graded run blocking center in the NFL this year by PFF. I have yet to see a game where Matt Hennessy has made an impact as a run blocker on film this year. So I'm clearly missing something that they're seeing. And this is not meant to dunk on PFF. As I said many times on the podcast, 80% of the time, I think their grades are spot on. 20% of the time, they're a little wonky. And I think Jalen Mayfield's week 10 grade, as well as Matt Hennessy's 2021 grade, are part of that 20% that's a little bit wonky. But let's look at football outsiders, right? The Falcons can't run left. You look at football outsiders, adjusted line yards per rushing attempt metric. When the Falcons run to the left end, they're dead last in the NFL. Or no, I'm sorry. When they run to the left end, they're 25th in the NFL. When they run behind the left tackle, they're dead last in the NFL. Now, when they run to the right, they can do a decent job there. When they run behind the right tackle, they're 11th. When they run to the right end, they're 5th. So the right side of the offensive line seemingly is doing their job, even if Caleb McGarry, as an individual run blocker, is very inconsistent. So when we look at back at Sunday's performance against the Cowboys, what did they do with the running game? Through three quarters with the starters in the game, they ran seven times to the left, seven times to the right. When they ran to the left, they averaged one yard a carry and had a success rate of 14%. When they ran seven times to the right, they averaged 4.6 yards per carry and a success rate of 43%. So it reiterates what football outsiders metrics are saying. I'm not sitting here saying that the Falcons got to run the ball 14 times to the right, you know, but maybe it's a little bit more slanted to that side. Maybe it's nine or 10 carries to the right and four or five carries to the left, right? If your coach is going to maximize the talent that you have, if you can run the ball this way, but you can't run the ball that way, run the ball this way a little bit more than run it less that way. That's the right adjustments, right? This is what I'm talking about. I'm not sitting here saying, hey, Arthur Smith's a bad coach, guys. I'm sitting here saying, you got to do more with the talent that you have. Don't sit here and give me this, oh, once we get better talent, all of our problems are going to go away. This is the same lie that you guys have been telling yourself about the coaches. You sat here for four years and insisted every new defensive coaching hire was going to magically fix the defense. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here saying, hey, guys, you got to have horses to have a good defense. Now, we can talk about the coaching issues on defensive side of the ball. I'm not going to sit here and, and spend a 45 minute episode. Like I'm not going to give DMPs a pass, but I'm not going to spend 45 minutes trying to convince you that the Falcons have more talent on their defense than they actually have. I've been saying for many years that they don't have the horses to have a good defense and they need to add those horses. 
going back to what we're talking about. So when Terry Fontenot is investing, he's got to know that, okay, when I invest draft capital in these players, these good, talented players, they're going to play under DPs, he's going to be able to get the most out of them. We can have a conversation if he's doing that currently. But again, that's another 45-minute episode. Now, what I will say about the defensive talent, again, not going to try to convince you that the Falcons have good talent on their defense. I will say, though, I don't think, contrary to popular opinion, that the drop-off from their defensive talent a year ago when Raheem Morris had this unit playing like a top-20 unit for the most part, under DVOA, I should say, has dramatically dropped off this year, which is why, you know, I think DVOA puts them at 31st this year currently under DMPs. I don't think the drop-off in talent is why DMPs' defense isn't working. But again, that's a conversation for another day. I'm looking at this offense, though, and the drop-off, you know, losing Julio Jones, losing Calvin Ridley, or devastating blows. I've been saying that for months, guys. It's not news. Now all of a sudden people are, you know, same people that were sitting here bashing Julio Jones back in June are like, hey, you know, losing Julio Jones is a huge blow. Okay. I'm glad you're now open to that possibility rather than spending the whole summer telling how much the Falcons don't need Julio Jones. Okay, you don't have a wide receiver, so you adjust. Run your offense to the running back. You run your offense to the tight end position. Utilize the talent that you have with Hayden Hurst better. Now, you're not going to be able to do that this week against New England because he's hurt with an ankle. But, you know, again, you guys killed Dirk Cutter for how he utilized Hayden Hurst last year. What do you think about Arthur Smith? You can do a better job utilizing this running back. And again, I'm not trying to pin all the Falcons problems on Arthur Smith and he's a bad coach and all these things. Again, I understand patience. I understand that as he grows, as he develops, as he understands his talent, he's going to get better. Hopefully. I fully expect in year two that this offense will start to blossom into the unit that I'm hoping to see. I really do expect that because certainly we're going to need it because we're going to have a much harder schedule next year. We're not going to be able to beat up on bad football teams as easily as we have done this year. So I'm hopeful for that, but I'm not going to just simply say, well, toss up my hands. Hey, nothing we can do right now. Right. Adding talents again, March, April issue. What are we going to do in November, December, and January? Until then, we're just going to just toss up our hands and go, well, well, you win some, you lose some, you can't do it. Again, clearly he's shown he's do it. We did it against the Saints, guys. We did it against the Saints. Maybe they'll do it against the Patriots. But good coaches are not going to simply be up and down, variance, volatile, all these various things. You want this team to be consistent. If, if Arthur Smith's doing his job, when, when I start giving you first and second round talents in the future, when I start get, or if we're using all those first and round, second round picks on defensive players, right? As so many of you guys want them to do, and we're only giving Arthur Smith fourth and fifth round talents, then I need to know that Arthur Smith is going to be able to get the most out of those players or whatever the combination is that Terry Fontenot figures out. Whatever that is, I don't know, guys. But these are the real hurdles that this team is going to deal with. And we're going to be sitting here going through the same song and dance that we've been through under Dan Quinn, under Mike Smith for the last 14 years. Why can't this team, why does this team keep letting Matt Ryan down? Why can't we put a a proper winner around Matt Ryan? Because you guys will just want to make it out to be one thing. Oh, we'll just get Matt Ryan the right play caller and it'll be good. We'll just get Matt Ryan the right defensive play caller and we'll finally have a defense. Now we're going to sit here and, and lie to ourselves as we did for the last couple of years and say, oh, we just got to get the talent. And Arthur Smith's scheme is suddenly going to start clicking. Me, I hope so. I hope, you know, that, that year two menu, I hope it's delicious. I hope these cooks figure it out by then. Again, I, I, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm fired up is not because I'm mad at the Falcons loss. You can have a bad game. The Falcons had a bad game on Sunday. They got outplayed. They got outcoached, executed by all means. They were ready to play. But, you know, that's a sign of good coaching. You're ready to play. 
I'm not mad that the Falcons lost to the Cowboys. I can handle that. I'm a grown man. I've been dealing with the Falcons winning and losing for 30 years. I'm a grown man. I can handle my emotions. The reason I'm fired up is because it just feels like we're doing the same thing over and over again. And for the last couple of years, I've been having the same argument with folks. Hey, guys, it's not all one thing. No, no, Aaron. This guy's definitely the scapegoat, dirt cutter, most recent, most egregious example. We just get rid of dirt cutter. We're going to have a good offense again. And now that we don't have a good offense, oh, it's got to be the talent. That's the, that's the reason. Right? You just keep ping-ponging back and forth to a different argument, and then you're sitting here 14 years later like, I don't understand why we can't maximize Matt Ryan's final years. If that's what you guys want to do, and again, I'm not saying that's not what I want to do. That's what the Falcons are going to do. But if you want to see Matt Ryan have the best twilight years of his career, whether that's two years, five years, or whatever, then these are going to be real issues. You need to understand that if Arthur Smith is going to maximize these last couple of years of Matt Ryan, he's got to make adjustments. He's got to deal with the adversity. And that's the point I'm trying to make, guys. Not trying to blame all the problems problems on Arthur Smith or the coaches or all these various things, but these are the things that you have to do better if this team is going to do better than what they have done over the last 14 years, which is disappoint us over the next three years and not disappoint us. That's why I'm fired up about it because I'm tired of having the same argument over and over again. We just keep moving the goalposts and ping-ponging to a different argument. Oh, it's the coaches. Now it's the talent. Now it's the coaches. Now it's the talent. It's both. But you got to hold the coaches' feet to the fire when they deserve it. And certainly if, if, if Arthur Smith was getting the most out of Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage and Wayne Gallman and Mike Davis and this team was still struggling offensively, you, you're damn sure I'd be sitting here, man, we need to get better players in here. And then Arthur Smith offense will work. But all these guys that were very productive, and again, I know very productive is a relative term, but relatively productive for their respective teams a year ago are not productive at all for the Falcons. And if we're going to simply sit here and say, hey, that's because we got to be patient and Arthur Smith's menu is limited. Okay. But I hope you're right. Because you haven't been so far, guys. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the people listening to the podcast, and I'm not accusing you guys, the people watching me on Lockdown Falcons. I'm just accusing all the bloggers, all the podcasters, all the YouTubers, right, that, that are insisting to you. And you guys that are listening to the podcast hear that stuff and say, yeah, that makes sense. Because it's much easier to believe that the Falcons' problems are just, hey, man, we just get a couple first-round picks to walk in this door, and all these things are going to start clicking into place. That's what we've been buying into for the last 14 years, right? Hasn't worked out. Ask yourself the question, why? That's where we'll leave it, guys. Tomorrow we'll be back on a crossover Thursday to preview this Patriots matchup. Maybe the Falcons will rise up. It's not a talent issue if they play the Patriots. That's all I'll say. The Patriots aren't a more talented team than Dallas was, but New England's not. So we'll see if the Falcons coaching staff can get this talent to rise up to the talent or really the coaching of the Patriots that leads to their success. Got to get out coach, got to out coach Bill Belichick. Tall order for you, Arthur Smith, but we'll talk about it on tomorrow's episode. And in the meantime, you know, if you want to uh, make a little bit of money on the side, whether it's football, basketball, whatever the case may be, Locked on Bets has you covered with handicapping expert Lee Sterling, giving you his locks of the day, his daily picks, his blowout specials, all that jazz available on a variety of podcast platforms. If you have Feedback that you want to provide on anything I said on today's episode or anything you want me to talk about on future episodes, of course, you can do so on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, on Facebook at Lockdown Falcons. You can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. Of course, you can leave an angry comment here on YouTube, just like the rest of the world. So guys, appreciate it. Till then.